Welcome to Cine Apprentice, Episode 4. After a holiday hiatus, we are back. I am your host, Ken, and as always, my Cine Apprentice co-host, Anthony. Anthony, tell everybody hello. Hello, world. <laughs> I love doing that. Yep. Uh, Anthony has gotten a, a little bit busy, so he hasn't been able to uh, completely get ready for uh, the the next episode with all the movies that I gave him. Uh, that's coming next time. This time we thought we would just kind of do um, a little break of an episode and we talk about a few things recently, uh, especially the, the Marvel trailers that have hit since Spider-Man No Way Home had come out, uh, which really start to show off the multiverse, especially in this last trailer for Doctor Strange. And then we're also going to talk about the book Boba Fett. Uh, but let's let's start with because man, I am buzzing. Um, my wife was excited about it. My son went through the roof. That Doctor Strange trailer that came out this weekend after the Super Bowl. Uh, Anthony, what was what was what went through your mind when you saw that thing? It looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, it, did. it just looks really cool. Like. Uh. My brain just it, it was it was such a um, a string of really interesting images and ideas, and I mean not even into the trailer, right in the middle, they they drop uh, what I'm I'm calling it right now is the Illuminati, mm-hmm. and you've got uh, from the comics, and you've got uh, one of the most distinguishable voices cannot be mistaken <laughs> for any other actor. Patrick Stewart, and you know that means Charles Xavier, you know that means yep. X-Men, yep. and that's halfway through the trailer, and my mind broke, um, and instantly sort of understood what they're doing. They're doing, uh, not, the, not the TVA, but this other kind of multiversal group of people that are, are basically policing the multiverse, and it's it's the Illuminati from the comics. It's it's Xavier, and in the comics, it's Namor and Black Bolt. Right, Namor. Um, uh, Reed Richards, um, uh, did I say Xavier already? Yeah. And uh, Iron Man, <laughs> Could you stop Tony Stark. Oh, no. I just I was so no. excited about Xavier. Um, are are you excited about this sort of thing? What do you think they're going to do with it? I think they're just going to blow our minds. I think you know yeah. you know what I think they said. I think they took that six months because they wanted to recuperate mm-hmm. after No Way Home that's and true. just get mentally prepared for everything that's going to be in multiverse <laughs> and uh, you know madness yep. and. Yep. I think there's a lot, a lot more than what they're showing in the trailers. Like a lot of stuff that'll blow our minds that they don't even want to show a decimal of. I I had the same thought, and I also realized after watching this trailer three or four times, they also have a history of completely changing and masking yeah. what's in the trailer. So even what we're seeing, you can't fully trust that they're not hiding something somewhere. Uh, that said, it felt like they revealed a lot. The Ultron centuries immediately reveal there's going to be some other sort of Tony Stark. <laughs> uh, the Xavier voice, I can't believe they dropped that in this trailer. Uh, it also makes you think, okay, is is this where they're going to introduce the idea of a Reed Richards? Because they've had other Fantastic Four movies. And then they, don't forget they also showed like the back 30s. Or sixteenth of his head, yeah, or so yeah, so yeah, yeah. definitely bald, and <laughs> you can even see how he enters into frame. He's it, it appears as if even just the side of his head glides, so you know he's on a wheelchair or a hover chair or something. It just did you mm. see the concept art by the way? Concept art, there, you know. yeah, there was like um released 
like Official? animated concept art. As okay. far as I know, uh, Emergency Awesome covered it in his video of okay. uh, the trailer breakdown. And you it mentioned just, him last time. I've started watching his content. I love, I love his stuff. Yeah, he's great. Um, and it's just a side view of that scene. And it's just Xavier in like a wheelchair, wheelchair uh, 90s X-Men cartoon style, yeah. just talking to Doctor Strange right in front of him. Awesome. Although, how disappointing would that be if alternate Xavier is just animated Patrick Stewart? <laughs> that wouldn't be disappointing. That'd be, be incredible. Totally, it would be so silly. That'd be, I would. Although, aside, silly part aside, that would that would like sort of um, open up a lot of, of thoughts and possibility yeah. for Spider Verse type stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can bring in cartoon versions of characters yeah. now and have them look cartoon because no one wants to see Spider Ham like I, as an actual animated. I pig. agree with you. That'd At the same so time, I just I'm not ready for a Marvel movie to do. Like who framed Roger Rabbit style, <laughs> you know. There's uh, whoever next to a cartoon. You know what? They made pig. Deadpool the foundation for that. See, I I agree with you. Deadpool, if they do it right, you can do anything in Deadpool, mm. and really have fun with it. I'm I'm just this whole thing was such a not just a tease for Doctor Strange. It really feels like it's teasing the playfulness that's going to be. Yeah the next however many years. It's just they are all at once opening up multiverse, vampires, uh, just all these concepts that before might have seemed silly. It really feels like we're about to enter into an age, Spider-Man No Way Home being kind of a real big kickoff of that, where it's just like, you know what? We're finally going full comic book. Mm -hmm. They're they're just telling you, chips are down, we're going all in, just... These two movies, they're setting forward the next part. Yeah. We had a little intermission there, some less freaky stuff, some Loki yeah. aside, you know. But now, oh, oh, oh. right, get and excited. Even with Omicron raging, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home has made over a billion dollars worldwide. That is mind-blowing to me. It's not the thought of, is Spider-Man a viable enough property to make a billion dollars? They've shown that before. But the fact that at this point in time, they can still pull that off. Uh, I can't even imagine once there's not a virus running around yeah, the I was world. About to say. What kind of money is is there waiting, and how hungry that audience is? And I really think this is how you address that superhero fatigue. This is the way that you say, "All right, you want to criticize us not for doing." Uh, the same thing over and over again, we're going to go so bonkers <laughs> and outside of formula, you will not even know what hit you. Um, I was just going to say, like, how well, like, No Way Home minus COVID. What would, yeah. what, what would that, it would have, I think it, you think it would, I think it would have hit number one. I, you know, it's it's hard to say. I think initially it would have made more money, but would it have been in theaters as long? Would it have stayed at the number one spot for so many weeks? Because there would have been more movies coming out. No, I, I mean like <sighs> I worldwide, yeah, all yeah. time number one. Like I'm talking. Well, they're about... already saying because it didn't release in China, and they're saying had it released in China, had the Chinese government allowed it to come in, uh, the thing would have easily already cleared two billion just because of the Chinese market. And so, um, you know, the next time you complain because somebody shoves something into a movie for the Chinese people, just keep in mind that (laughs) could mean a billion dollars. And so maybe shut up and let them put in a side character. Did they they let them uh, play Shang-Chi? I can't imagine they didn't. But at the same time, there are so many comparisons between that – uh, Tung Lao or, or whatever that hidden city was in Tibet, it wouldn't surprise me at all if China said, nope, because this provides sympathy for Tibet. 
and that's a that's a big no no in mm. in Chinese Gotta love releases. Oh yeah, hmm. or you don't, you know. Yeah, Go communism is only freedom. cool if it's Russian. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about the Russians <laughs> right now. And the podcast goes political. Oh boy. Uh, but no, I just every viewer. This this was uh, in my mind the perfect trailer. Um, this there's there's so much that it throws at you. There's so much to ponder over, and I I really think they're they're laughing, and we'll continue <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank in May because even your best theories are probably a tenth. Uh, what this movie is going to be, because if Spider-Man No Way Home taught us anything, it's you can uh, surmise what you want from the trailer. They've got so much more to do. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of, of this just kind of uh, run around the, the mill chat. <laughs> I want to talk about Book of Boba Fett. So to my right, I have got one Mr. Clinton Jones yes. who has not enjoyed the book of Boba Fett. He has come to hate the book of Boba oh my Fett. Goodness. And actually, uh, our ep- our next episode, which I think posts tonight, um, we hmm. talk about uh, episode five and six, and he just lashes <laughs> those episodes. Then you've got... Uh, you on my left side mm-hmm. who really, really is having a good time with this thing. Now, have you watched up through the finale? Yeah, I've watched Perfect. the whole thing. Uh, and I am in the middle where I love some of it. I hate some of it. I don't know what I think. So this is your opportunity to really sell me on why I should love this thing. First, let's start oh with just your general impression of the whole series. Uh, start to finish. What what are the the things you liked? What didn't you like? What what do you think of the book of Boba Fett? Um, see that didn't sound super positive. Well, <laughs> well, I'm you'll see. I'm just trying to think about all the things I didn't like. It's so hard for yeah. me to think about those just because they don't. We'll exist. start with. No, I mean, um, it's called the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. What did you like the this rendition of Boba Fett? Did you like what they did with the character? It, I think it's definitely a change of character. I don't mm-hmm. think it's um. Like the Boba Fett, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think it's like what they did with what was the one that we talked about where it's like they just drastically changed Loki. Mm-hmm. We talked about Loki, the kind of the same thing where all of a sudden, just kind of out of nowhere, he's kind of just a different guy. Um, but at the very least, they try to explain that when it comes yep. to the Tuscans. You know, he he actually has a reason to go through that change, which is one thing I really liked. I love all the Tuscan stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever we got to the modern stuff, I was kind of wishing that we went back to the Tuscan stuff. See, that's where it lost Clint. Clint was mm. with it those first two episodes. But episode three, it, it departs from the Tuscans pretty quickly, and it introduces the mods, and that's where... Like Clint was, this is this is my stop. I'm off. Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna say there's a little misconception you have. I didn't love love it. I liked it fairly less than the Mandalorian stuff. 
Um, but I did still still love it. And just like pretty much everyone on the internet and that exists that has watched all this Mandoverse stuff, they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a bit jarred with episode five and six as mm-hmm. well. Um, I was kind of going in thinking, oh, we're going to have a cool little 15, 20 minute section where we learn about what Mando's been up to so they can get back to the whole yeah. fighting that they've been working up to. Oh, it's half of the episode now. Oh, it's a whole episode. I'm sure the next episode will be different. And then it wasn't. Yeah. And I was a little sad. I um, I actually liked the content that was in those two episodes. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like that it was in the book of Boba Fett. Well, let's um, break it down in chunks <clears throat> then. Let's talk about, because essentially for me, this was four parts. This is episode one and two, which is really about Boba. Yeah. And uh, episode three and four, which is about Boba collecting different characters, <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, other than maybe I would call it uh, Boba's action figure collection, uh, <laughs> where he picks up some mods, a Wookiee, an assassin, two Gamorreans, you know, is whatever. Yeah. Then there's episode five and six, which is essentially, to me, Mandalorian season 2.5. Uh, mm-hmm. Boba Fett is not in episode five at all. And in episode six, he shows up at like a, a, a meeting for three minutes and then it's back to Mando, Luke, Ahsoka. And then there is episode seven. And episode seven is is back to Boba mm-hmm. uh, and the Mandalorian. Um, but they're, they're kind of a, an end to that. So let's talk about episode one and two when it's just Boba. Did you yeah. like where it was bouncing between – modern and flashbacks or would you have rather had it be more linear where you get all the Tuscan stuff then you get kind of the him in the palace stuff I think linear might be a little more rewarding Mm -hmm. but I don't I can't think specifically if they've done this but when it comes to going back and forth in uh, any sort of story the back has to relate to whatever's going on in the fourth mm-hmm. in some degree. And I can't remember if it exactly does. It does a pretty good job. I okay. I think I was thrown off the first episode. I still liked it. But I realized in the second episode, oh, okay, whatever's happening in the first half of the episode really relates to the second half. You're either getting to see early on what's going to happen later and where that comes from, or you're seeing something that doesn't quite make sense, but then you're being given the backstory that reveals, okay, this is all in character. I had a hard time with the people who from the beginning were saying, this is not Boba Fett. Yes, this is not the Boba Fett of Empire and Jedi. (laughs) What was the Boba Fett of Empire? 15 minutes? Right. And this is the Boba Fett that crawled out of the Sarlacc Mm -hmm. and has been captured and essentially raised by the Tuscans. And so it it didn't bother me at all that he – because when I went and I expected this to be a Boba assembles the new age of Bounty Hunter. And it's not that – And I think it's more interesting what they set out to do, whether they accomplished it or not. But it's it's more interesting to say, you know what, Uh, being tossed down a Sarlacc pit would probably put you into a place where you're considering your life choices. And, you know, I don't know how if it was on purpose, but at least for me, um, there was a good job done making you kind of kind of putting in perspective like how intense it really is. Like, you know, 
feeling whatever pains he felt or whatever yeah. happened to him. Like you saw it up close and personal, and that kind of made you feel like, well, what if, you know, what if what if I was in a sarlacc being digested? What yeah. if I crawled out of the sand just to lose the only thing that, you know, was left of my identity? Yeah, your armor. Yeah, yeah. he's he's completely, literally stripped down to who he is. He literally has nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as far as we know, no idea what he was doing, what his goals were while he was a bounty hunter in, like, the original yeah. trilogy. But as far as we can tell, he basically has nothing left to do. Yeah. And then he gets something, and that's the family. Yeah. Like, he actually learns family, which, by the way, one of my favorite things, and I want I want to clarify this. Mm-hmm. I don't think the storytelling in The Mandalorian or in the Book of Boba Fett is any sort of particularly good a lot of it just comes from like uh, novelty to me. I think yeah. that's the word. Just seeing original trilogy stuff in in modern technology and in modern you know ways of of making a film or a TV show of any kind. Just seeing them in modern light. Just it just I don't know something about it just makes me feel really good. Yeah. Like it, it makes me feel like and remember the Clone Wars stuff. It just you dive a little bit deeper into what little bit of those movies told you. You just learn that much more about the literal galaxy. Yeah. You know, that's my favorite thing about these. Because um, they always do that. They always they have Grogu show up for the Mandalorian, and that's like insane because we've what, seen Yaddle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we're talking expanded universe stuff in... Um, Knights, no, the old republic. Mm-hmm. You uh, have that one Jedi master that's like his race. So you know, just that, and then you, what is it? I think it's the Rancor stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now learning more about the Rancor and how just they're brought up and what 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 their little things are about their species. Yeah. That's another thing I love. Just learning more about little concepts that have been put in before when i used to read the old star wars novels <clears throat> when i was a kid i love the one where uh and they reference it in this it's it's about the the rancors that the force witches ride uh there's a whole book i forget which one it was um but i was just fascinated with that as a teen because i was just like yes rancors and they're more than just the dumb beast in the <laughs> the cage uh there's there's more here to them yeah yeah, yeah I, I enjoy that sort of unpacking of, of old things or giving you a better appreciation of moments. Like, obviously, in The Return of the Jedi, the Rancor Keeper weeping over the Rancor, it's just a joke. It's meant for a laugh. Uh, and the amount they've gone to, you know, over the years to just expand that a little and, and give it a little more meaning. I That's when I enjoy references to old material yeah. or the old trilogy is when they take something that was innocuous and they make it bigger or more important well, or more do expanded. Right, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but back to the episode one, two stuff like mm-hmm. we were trying to do before I really no, 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 interrupted that flow. You're good. Um, I am not a fan of Peaky Blinders, <laughs> but I've watched a few episodes and it really reminded me of that. Like... um the type of dude that he's just he's trying to build like a, a new family he thinks he can do yeah. stuff better and it's not like that side of him like his feelings his, his wanting to do it isn't explored much beyond just that he misses his um tuscan raider family yeah but um either way i still liked watching him just be a very 
odd ruler. Yeah. Just being, it's a, he feels, he feels pretty real, honestly. As much as it's a Soros character, as much as he's probably somewhat two-dimensional, um, he has his rootless moments, but he's yeah. also like, he's pretty nice. Yeah. He's just pretty nice. Like He and the Tuscans are the only ones literally in this uh, Book of Boba Fett series that didn't feel like an action figure to me. He he felt more rounded. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Tuscans too, because, you know, you, you, like he, dismisses them as barbaric when they first take him prisoner. But then you really come to appreciate these are people with a culture and – and he and the, the Tuscans are really the only ones with arcs and development there. Everybody else just serves essentially his development. Even what we get of the, the Mandalorian, he's, he's pretty one note for yeah. the episodes that he well, shows up. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's something where it, Boba Fett was really the only one in the whole series that had some complexity and some layers to me. And not many, but enough. Yeah. I I really like Fennec. Yeah. I'm just going to switch over to her real quick. She's really cool. Yeah. That's about as much as I can say. She doesn't – okay. Just to be really clear, action figures are really cool. I love action figures. Uh, so when I say I that, I, I'm not – that's not a complete negative. It's just a – they serve a function to, to produce whatever action is happening. Mm. I didn't feel like they were uh, a character in flux. I felt like Boba was the only one and the Tuscans were the only one that had that sort of drama to them. Everyone else served his story. You know, if they took those, uh, that hour and 45 minutes that they gave, I think it's an hour and 45, mm-hmm. I don't know, bad at math, that they gave the Mandalorian, just gave yeah. it a little bit more to those actual side characters. Yeah. Like, you can see there's a little bit of, um, there's that little bit of disagreement between Fennec mm-hmm. and Boba about how they, because they're very much both, Originally, very independent people do things their way and only their way. And so, and that's why I'm still confused because I understand they had that little bit, that part where they showed him saving her and why exactly she stayed with him. But I don't know. It just doesn't, something about it, she just doesn't seem like the kind of person that would just blindly follow someone to me. I needed more there. I needed a different reaction to him saving her. I needed more there where instead of her being unconscious and then waking up after being fixed, I needed to see her weak and him taking care of her, her kind of fighting, being helped, and then him helping her to a place that she felt a certain degree of loyalty to him. That's what they were implying, but it it just... You didn't see it. Yeah, it, it didn't have enough time in the oven. It wasn't it wasn't fully cooked. Um, I I really feel like the first two episodes are a different series than the rest of it. Mm. I feel like the first two episodes, I really got into a rhythm and I thought, ah, this is what this series is going to be. And then let's go to episode three and four. It feels like they sort of got bored with that. And now it's time to start collecting the other action figures and let's just have fun on Tatooine. Um, The the Mm. minute the Tuscans were killed, that's what it started to feel like. Because he immediately goes from leaving the Tuscans to finding Fennec and moving into the modern story. You know what? It shit. Sorry, I didn't mean to No, you're you. fine. Um, if they weren't killed, but rather discriminated against, mistreated, enslaved, whatever, mm-hmm. that might have yep. just been 
better. Give me an act two where, okay, he was raised by them essentially in his new life. Mm-hmm. Now something else happens. Or maybe they are killed, but the little kid survives. And now it's him and this adolescent Tuscan <laughs> raider. And then that one's killed. And then now oh. he finds Finnick. But give me a a progression sure. to Finnick. Give, give just like – like a, you know, another couple motivations or yeah. something. If, if, like if they are enslaved or something like that, just some way that they're mistreated, then yeah. you know he has that much more motivation to become daimyo and good daimyo, daimyo and do things his yeah. way because then he can free his people and just become better that way. Yeah. And I, I have a feeling they didn't want to do much of that because they wanted to avoid more political stuff yeah. because of how much people hated politics and yeah. the uh, prequel trilogy yeah. and stuff. But, well, and, and in talking about three and four, let's talk mm-hmm. about the thing that has united Star Wars fandom for the first time since the 90s, which is the hatred of the mod characters. I have <laughs> heard, I think the best defense I've heard of the mod characters is I was fine with them. <laughs> I, I literally have not heard a better or more impassioned defense of those characters. Um, I That's the position I was in. I didn't like the design, oh. but yes, yeah, I was fine with it. I, you know, whatever. I will try to defend them. Okay, um, please do. Although, just put something out of the way. I really hate how that one girl, she has like, um, a, a robot arm, but then her hand is still at the end. Uh, yeah, that still doesn't I, make sense to me. Like I know it's just like a green screen sleeve or something, I, but like yeah, just, I think that's why? supposed to be not her actual hand, but like a Luke Return of the Jedi mm. fleshy. It's still a robotic hand, but it it has kind of the skin sleeve on it. It's like a real hand. Uh, it, it's it's kind of totally it's her just, real it's hand. Jarring. It's just a way. It's much easier to CG a forearm than articulated fingers, uh, and so I hundred percent guarantee it was a way to save time and budget on the effects i think i think the mods were 100 percent in there just to you know use them for to save fennec and to who else did they use it for mm-hmm. oh um the marshal at the yeah. end and i think they thought that that wasn't enough yeah. i think they wanted to put something more in there and i like here's what is really weird to me why do they want to work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why do they want to work? Like, yeah. if they're just having a perfectly easy time, um, you know, stealing from people and stealing, and why? Just why? I mean, you have to imply somewhere that there might be a good motivation yeah. for them or something for if, that to make sense. If this was taking place on Coruscant instead of Tatooine, that design actually wouldn't have bothered me at all. Uh, you've got a very colorful, high-tech city, uh, the the 50s throwback stuff still annoys me. The 50s, 60s design, they've done that before. That's more of a nod to George Lucas. But um, if, if it would have been people that organically felt like they were drawing on the, the clothing and the technology available in an outer rim planet like Tatooine, I think it would have been better. If it was more steampunky mm. rather than that glossy – uh, 60s vibe. If it looked more like moisture evaporators yep. on their arms and stuff. 100%. Yeah, and you could still have a, these are the kids that are rebelling. Uh, they are the the Lukes of the world who have really walked away from uh, farming and just want to be their own. And they can't get off planet, so they're going to bring off planet to them. Yeah. But in their means, I, I would have been totally fine with that. But these these kids didn't even look like the sand touched them. They just looked very glossy and clean. Um, I could even make that argument for the uh, the nightclub uh, that they keep going to 
uh, run by the the Twi'lek, played by yeah. Jennifer Beals. Even that, when they walk in there, almost feels like the casino planet from The Last Jedi. It feels very shiny. Don't do that to me. But it doesn't do feel Tatooine. <laughs> it doesn't look like Moss Eisley cantina it doesn't and yeah you want to dress it up some but it still feels like this little oasis from coruscant or one of these advanced places not something you would find on tatooine explain a culture there explain an advantage they might have monetarily exactly explain you know why people like it so much and therefore donate explain Literally anything, yep. just about, and it's that much better. The cantinas are for the smugglers. These places that look richer are for the people just passing through. Yeah. You know, the the tycoons and stuff who are basically just using Tatooine for its resources. But this is this little pocket where the rich people go. And then the mods are, you know, taking advantage of those people. And But you got to build that into story. You can't suddenly have this group that have... Vespas with 19 mirrors on each little hover bike. Vespas. Uh, Vespa oh. is the old scooter that they had in the <laughs> 60s yeah. that the literal mods <laughs> in the 60s would ride around England. Um, that's, I mean, it was just the, it, it just looked. I think just, it. they are from Coruscant. They crashed here on their way to another planet. Sure. And sure. they're just doing the best of what they have, make the, little, the things a little more rusty, the machine are a little more rusty. Yep. yep. That's it. Just add some weathering to it. Give me the feeling that they are, you know, in in, in Tatooine, that they're not. That's a lot of the story building and the world building here felt very disjointed to me. And I think that's the difference with early on is early on, even when you're bouncing between present day and Jabba's palace or former former Jabba's palace and the, the Tusken Raiders, it all felt Tatooine. It all felt like what we knew from Tatooine over the years. Then when you get to episode three and four, it starts to feel like, what side of Tatooine is this? This is a weird (laughs) element to have on a desert planet that's way out in the middle of nowhere. You know what? You know what? Just tie it to Tatooine just one way. Because it's fine introducing new new things to it, just as long as it still feels like it. And the way to do that is just to tie it together with like one little knot somewhere in the shoelace, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, And that that was my problem. It it wasn't the the action or the – I actually liked episode four a lot better than three. The three was too mod-focused, whereas, uh, you know, four you get back to – where Boba's at as a person and you see a lot of what brought him and Fennec together and and I really like that stuff. There was about one time that I didn't like the Raider stuff and not because of the Raider stuff mm-hmm. because of how he got to the back to the tank. Um, it's whenever they're fighting those guards with the shields and yeah. they drag him all the way from Mos yeah. Espa yeah. to his palace and then put him in the back to tank. Yeah. And it's like that feels a little shoehorned in to get a Raider moment in there. And Maybe that's just... jumping ahead, but I, I feel like a lot of it was very small. I I feel like even when they're talking about let's assemble an army, it's very small. It mm-hmm. really started to show its budget. Um, because I never felt like uh, Boba Fett was was putting together a, a sizable force. Or go full Seven Samurai, classic throwback, where you don't need a full force. Uh, the Pikes have this huge army of, of criminals, but you've got the Wookiee. You've got one Gamorrean that's, you know, this ex-pit fighter kind of thing. <laughs> you've got 
Finnick, the assassin. You've got, like, give me a little gallery of seven. You know what I mean? Like, we don't need 100 people. We've got these seven. And these seven are formidable. And, like, throw your hundreds at us and watch us slaughter them as seven skilled ex-bounty hunters or whatever. And then even, you can still have, what is it, the people of Good Town? Uh, Freetown. Freetown. They, they Freetown really now. wanted people to yeah. know, hey, hey, it's Freetown. <laughs> even Mando corrects Boba. He's like, no, no. It's Freetown now. It's Freetown. And Boba's like, oh, cool, Freetown. Whatever. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, you can still even have them in there, just, you know, that little last leg. I mean, exactly like they did there. But make it more reasonable that Boba and his six other samurai yeah. are holding out. And just at the end, you know, you still have those those walkers come out or something yeah. and, you know, whatever. Just make it so that they are like the last little bit that just needs to be there to pull them over, you know, the, the mountaintop. There, there's, maybe there's just two. Maybe it's just the duo of the sheriff and the bartender. Maybe they're just that skilled. And, and yeah, you couldn't get the townspeople but you got <laughs> these two guys in the town sure. or something. Sure. Again, going back to that, just assemble. If you don't have the budget to give me hundreds of people or even CG hundreds of people and really make this feel like a large-scale conflict, man, go smaller and lean into giving me this that, tight little band of – And going smaller makes it feel more Western, which yeah. this one heavily, like heavily yeah. lays into. It's just – it's about 100% Western and about 0.0001% Star Wars. That's not true, but that's an yeah. exaggeration. But you know what I mean. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, 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 just, that just adds to the, uh, yep. the aesthetic more. Yep. Well, and then that brings us to Episode 5 and 6. Because Episode 5, we'll talk about, that's the one that's all about the Mandalorian. I really felt like, oh, they just, they got bored with Boba Fett. How do you do a series about Boba Fett and then get bored with Boba Fett? Like, you ran out of ideas. You've got to devote an entire episode to catching up with the Mandalorian. Why not just do four episodes called The Book of Boba Fett and then two episodes called Mandalorian Season 2.5 or whatever uh, and just tie them all together? I don't know. What, what, was, what was your reaction? Because the internet had fallen out of love with the Boba Fett series, <laughs> Episode 3 and 4, and then they were like, yes, the Mandalorian has saved it. Really? I was really upset. I was just like, the Mandalorian doesn't belong here for a full episode. I don't care if you enjoyed that episode. That episode doesn't belong in this series. I can't believe that's how the – I mean, I can't believe that's how the internet reacted. Yeah. But, you know, I've come to expect more from them. The internet was just so critical <laughs> of, of episode three and four that they needed to enjoy something. And so they weren't thinking critically. They just mm. celebrated an episode they enjoyed. That makes sense. Now, you've watched the animated series, correct? Which one? Uh, what was it with um, uh, all the Mandalorian characters? Uh, it's got um, – oh, it took place during the original trilogy. I'm completely blanking That's Rebels. on it. Rebels. You watched Rebels? Uh, first two seasons, a little okay. bit of third season. Did you get to the Darksaber stuff? Um. I think maybe a little bit. I think got to the beginning of those ideas. Because I'll tell you what I hated more than the Mandalorian episode. I hated that a blade of light can become more or less difficult or heavy to wield. That is the dumbest thing I think I have ever had presented to me in Star Wars. I, I was almost offended by it. Because it's just like, seriously, a blade of light is somehow <laughs> getting heavier because you don't know how to swing it properly. Your heart's not in it. Ugh. I don't think that was in. 
Uh, I really don't. Okay. Maybe I, it wasn't. It just, that was stupid the, to me. At least the way that I interpreted it was more so that exactly what she said. What is her name? The armor? Is that just all they call her? Yeah. Um, just that she's she's fighting against the will of the blade. Yeah. Or he is, sorry. Yeah. Like that, that kind of made sense to me based on the other thing that she also said about how if it falls into the hands of someone that doesn't actually deserve it, they start to bring bad luck to Mandalore like it did with um, Bo-Katan. I, I guess that just gets in a and, weird corner of the mystical part of Star Wars yeah, where it's just but, like, so how does the blade have will? The force. That's it? The crystal. The crystal has life. Did you? There were some episodes in the Clone Wars that went over the idea of that I, the crystal is the will that. of the Force in a way. I remember that, but see, I just think all that stuff is hokey. <laughs> I I really do. It the more I love that part of the stuff. Really? I love that stuff. Oh. Yeah, I love I love the idea that it's yeah. just because it's like here's your crystal. His name is Phil. <laughs> oh Phil goodness. would like you to know he enjoys long walks <laughs> on the beaches. <laughs> And he doesn't prefer Tatooine. So if you take Phil to Tatooine, <laughs> he might not come out of the hilt. Oh. He may just stay away. That that that, oh. that that did bother me, but you know, <laughs> I I do. I just I don't know. I don't know what it is I like about the idea of the dark saber, like having its own. Will. Well, don't let me talk you out of it. I'm fully okay. about if you enjoy it, you enjoy it and defend it. And you know, I'm I'm not the the keeper of all things Star Wars. It's just interesting. Yeah. Ridiculous, admittedly, but interesting. But that's kind of almost one Wars, man's interesting, I guess, is another man's stupid. Yeah. Um, but I just, <laughs> you know, I, it's it's already pushing the the laws of logic for me that light extends from a tube and stops and clashes with other blocks of light. Then you're going to tell me this block of light has a will and I can't, it fights against you. I can't like, be oh. so logical. I'm sorry. Well, it's just I have watched. It, it's another thing. It reminds me of the Clone Wars a lot. It yeah. reminds me going back to that um, that like pyramid that had the planet and it had the the mother, or it see, had the I father and the brother I, and the sister. It's like stuff that's just so. I don't know out where my there. line is. I love those episodes. I love the the metaphysical. I think that's what it is. I love the metaphysical, not the mystical. And I know that's mm. a really thin line. Yeah. But <laughs> um, it's the best way you explained it, probably. Yeah. I, I like metaphor coming to life in reality. I don't like metaphor having will and expressing its will over a blade of light. Mm. I, and I, I don't know. And like I said, for somebody that's, I'm sure, great. Just for some reason, my brain turns into my father and says, <laughs> nope. I'm sorry. I just couldn't follow in Luke's footsteps. Yeah. You know, his um, brain didn't turn to his father. I also, I have a real, <laughs> I, I remember I grew up with the original trilogy. And in the original trilogy, there were no politics and all that stuff that you mentioned. There was a little mm-hmm. bit. But for the most part, it was like we're out having an adventure. Yeah. And the Mandalorians in this series, I don't feel adventure. I just feel yet another boring religious order. This is the way. Mm. Don't take your helmet off. And ugh. <laughs> it just where's I want my fun. I just want my fun. I understand. We all want fun. I know, but I, I really want fun. <laughs> I know. Um, I actually that's one of the reasons. One of the problems I do have with the book of Boba Fett is just that, um, just how it stays in, just pretty much the same place the whole time, and not Tatooine. Like I mean, just that it's pretty much all in Mos Espa and mm-hmm. uh, Boba's palace, yeah. we'll call it now. 
Like, I don't know. Just, and this is another opportunity. You can I introduce something that adds a little more spice to Tatooine, apart from all the spice that they already have there. <laughs> um, like, a, like a cool cave behind Jabba's palace no yeah. one knew about, or, a, or a, you know, a little order under the sand. They have a cavern made of solid spice. I don't know. It's just something. I wish this series um, was all about how Boba gets to the shot at the end of Mandalorian season two where he's on the throne. Ooh. Where Ooh. it gives me the Tuscan stuff. And then it's him like, let's get the band back together. Let's go dig up old bounty hunters. And and Finnick is a piece of that. But go go find Dingar from uh, that shot in Empire <laughs> where like, why is that guy got toilet paper wrapped around his head? I don't know. Go find Dingar. You know what? You know who to go really find that? people who played Battlefront one. Yeah. Exactly. What was go, the other one? Go, go find those people and pick up Mando on the way. Get all these people. Now come to Tatooine and like I'm taking Jabba's palace and I'm going to establish power. And then the very last shot is the same shot that ended Mandalorian season two where, ah, this whole series was about how he gets there to that post-credits tease instead of starting there. Mm. Uh, I really felt like that put them at a disadvantage because then they were locked into this crime syndicate uh, storyline that I, I don't know that I found that interesting. I find it interesting in theory, at least. So, yeah, yeah, I do too. But it then again, that's where it runs into the budget. I don't feel like they had the budget to give me the kind of full-scale criminal yeah. war that yeah. would have excited me. Yeah. So let's talk about episode six because Luke Skywalker. They did him better. He looked a lot better. He sounded better. He sounded a lot better. Did you know who voiced him? No. Not Mark Hamill. Okay. Do you know who did? No. They took Return of the Jedi. I kid you not. They fed all of Luke lines, Luke's lines into a computer, and the computer did that dialogue. That is an AI voice performance. Wow. Isn't that weird? Now, it works because, you know, if you go and watch Return of the Jedi – Mark Hamill's Luke is already monotone, pretty flat. Right. Okay. And so, uh, I I don't think that's why this is flat. I think if you have an AI computer that can make new lines out of Mark Hamill's old voice, I'm sure it could emote as well, yeah. uh, or you could at least tweak things to emote. But I was shocked. I thought it was they had de-aged Mark Hamill's oh, actual really? voice. Oh, uh, no. Um, I had no idea. I'm pretty sure they did something similar for that. At the end of Mandalorian season two, they okay. um had someone. I think they had someone say the lines, mm -hmm. and then over well, top Mark of that, Hamill did it. In, oh, really? In Mandalorian season two, he was on set and he did the voice. Oh, okay. Now they may have fed that into a computer and had it produce. Younger I have Mark no Hamill. idea. Yeah, I was um, I was shocked. Clint heard it. Now Clint edits our well, podcasts yeah. all the time, so he instantly he was just like, "That sounds computerized." He nailed it. Uh, I called him a liar. And then <laughs> realized it the of next he day. Does. When he knows he all the editing list. stuff. Yeah. No. Um, oh man, that means the end of Mandalorian season two must have been really horrible for yeah. him. Well, no, he he enjoyed it. Really, he, he really he had a good time he with liked Mandalorian the Mark season stuff there. two. Yeah. Oh, my he goodness. did not like the Mark Hamill stuff here. Ooh. One, you want to get back to Boba Fett, mm. but I I actually really enjoyed the Luke stuff. That line where Ahsoka says, "You're so much like your father," I about went through the roof. I really did. I was having a full uh, just 
geek meltdown. I am over always all that stuff. Sorry, I'm always in favor of more Luke Skywalker yep. post Revenge of the or Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's like my favorite version of pretty much any character in Star Wars. I love this matured, more calm and rational version of this character. And I love all the struggles he had to go through and all the things he had to contemplate, contemplate after learning that his life is pretty much a lie yeah. and just be wise and calm. Like, yeah. I love that stuff. I replay um, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy mm-hmm. from like 1998, mm-hmm. like so many times. I play it all the way through because just more Luke Skywalker. It's not even that much Luke Skywalker. Yeah. But it's just more of him. Yeah. I want to find the, the books from whenever they wrote them in like the 80s and 90s. They're really good. Yeah, They're I've really seen good. like the art and, and they introduced yeah. the concept of the light whip and there's just a lot of cool stuff in there and I just want to see more Luke. Um, so yeah, it was so nice seeing him again. Um, I, I, was, I was so taken with the improvement in the CG of his face and mm-hmm. how real it, it looked for the most part. That's um, redeem. That's it, redemption. It I just I loved Luke in this episode. I loved Ahsoka. They have so nailed live action Ahsoka. Is, One of my favorite characters anyway. I, I love uh, I mean so Ahsoka kinda actually bothered me by the way. Really? Yeah, it kind of they didn't it didn't bother me as much in Mando season two. because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't really at the forefront. But now that she's with a Jedi teaching Grogu Jedi things, it's just, it's off-putting to me because... I think they were doing something different. She's getting her own series. I think in her own series here coming up this year, we're going to see that she stops in for a specific purpose with Luke. And what we actually watched was the tail end of her visit. That's why she leaves. But she wasn't there with him. He, Mando just happened to show up at the same time she was there. No, no, I don't even mean that. Oh, okay. I just mean... The fact that she doesn't disagree with his methods. Really? That's it. That because, she doesn't have a an opinion on it? I mean, sort of, yeah. Because um, she's just, I don't know. I feel like she'd not trust because the way that he is teaching is very much of the old Jedi way. Um, I, I I can't notice any difference with it aside from the fact that it's not a council of hypocrites. Um, See, I read her line as, that's your father, She's she smiles. She, that's a, a bittersweet moment. It's good in a way because he's reminding her the best parts of Anakin. Yeah. But at the same time, I wonder if that almost scares her off because mm. she remembers how much faith she put in Anakin and how much he crushed her in retrospect. And so here she is. I don't want to stay around to see if his son is going to do the same. Are thing. you trying to see why I like Ahsoka? By the way, what do you see why I like Ahsoka oh, yeah. so much? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Ahsoka is the gray Jedi uh-huh. that, that she's I've not, always wanted. But she is, but she is But she's not, but she is. Yeah, she's not a Jedi, but she's just somebody who's trying to follow her own path. Mm-hmm. And I like her and Luke basically for the same reason. Yeah. That they, they take what they have and they use it for things that they care about. Yeah. Not because they're instructed to do it that way necessarily. Yeah. And that's why... Luke teaching Grogu kind of bothered me because he just sounds like the old Jedi teaching method. And there's something innately wrong with that method, something that just doesn't work. I don't think it would have... The same thing bothered me in retrospect, especially the second time I watched it, but I don't think that would have bothered me if Grogu wasn't such an infantile character. He seems so young that... uh, Imagine an adolescent or 20-something character 
in that episode. I don't think it would have been as bothersome. It's because he seems like such a kid, especially at the end when like Luke gives him this jerk choice. Yeah. I really hated Luke yeah. at the end of this episode because I was just like, what is what kind of choice is that? Of course, you just got this kid. You just took him. Of course, he's going to pick the armor. Spoiler. Uh-huh. But of course, <laughs> he's going to take the armor. He's not going to take the lightsaber. You're offering him to go back to the, the person that he has a familial connection to, his adopted father, or he can have a cool sword. <laughs> That's not a choice for a kid that that is so, at least as being presented mentally young as, as Grogu. Like, how could you make that choice at that age? Uh, it and, just. Ugh. But then, like, he was teaching him the get rid of emotion stuff. Yeah. And I'm a full supporter in the idea that Jedi are not supposed to get rid of their emotion, just yeah. use it in positive ways. Yeah. And I and I feel that's what Luke has done pretty much the entire time he's yeah. been a Jedi. So why now is he teaching Grogu yeah. to kill his to kill his emotions? This feels like going backwards because the way I read the original trilogy is you have Luke learning from Yoda, and Yoda tells him in Empire, not in in the order kind of way, but don't give in to your emotions for your friends. That'll lead to bad things. Luke gives in to emotions for his friends, and it does lead to bad things. But then Return of the Jedi feels like him realizing that's okay, mm-hmm. and there's a balance here. And that's what he takes into his battle with Darth Vader. This doesn't feel like the next step in that progression. It feels like, okay, so what he learned from Return of the Jedi and Empire was that Yoda was totally right. <laughs> and now he's going to do the same thing yeah. because the choice he gives Grogu is essentially what Yoda was telling him in Empire when he wants to hop in the X-Wing and go save his friends yep. because of a vision he had. Did he? Does he not remember that? And even if he had in this episode explained in memory of that, I remember when I did this and that's why I'm going to do this. And you've got Ahsoka there so he can say it to somebody. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to, you know, you don't even have to figure out how to write it. You've got a character he can talk with. If she had challenged him a little bit, that would have brought out his reasoning. Yes, yes. she is the number one character to suffer from the hypocrisy of the Jedi. That's I thought why you didn't like, her, okay. of all people, would I say something now. about it. I get it. She's the one that should have called him yes. on it. Yes. She should have been the voice of the audience saying, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. She like, And they could have had a little philosophical disagreement. Yes. And that, mm. that's all. That is like that is just my oh, number one so thing. Right. Because it just it just it didn't make sense. That's yeah. not that that wouldn't that's not how that would go down at all. Yeah. So she would have so much time. too apathetic yeah. to what's happening. Yeah. She mm-hmm. has so much time to think about the hypocrisy she suffered and other hypocrisies that they had mm. and how it always led to failure, their hypocrisy. She would have known so much about it. She would have felt so much about it. She would have known to talk about that with Luke. This is and where, Luke himself wouldn't even do that in the first place, I think. Uh, this is where uh, Star Wars continues to need a Kevin Feige, Because <laughs> yep. this is the kind of stuff that Kevin Feige actively addresses and I, I think is solely responsible for how intricately stitched together the MCU is. And Star Wars mm-hmm. feels like a collection of parts. It feels like there's no guiding voice that, that really has uh, a, a really strong idea of where all of this 
should be going. I like they clearly visually are trying to stitch together the prequels, the uh, the old trilogy, and the sequels, mm-hmm. you know, the building of the temple and, and all of this. I love when they're doing that, but thematically and narratively, that story isn't... Who made these series? Who made Mando 1 and 2? And uh, this one is, I think, primarily John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez. Mandalorian is John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Okay. Dave Filoni's the one who did Clone who Wars and uh, Rebels and, and I, my My thing with Dave Filoni is I think he gets it. I think he gets Star Wars better than anyone else that's alive right now except maybe George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he is George Lucas too, <laughs> you know, just with how similar they are and how similar they, they, they don't see things. I think he's a modern George Lucas, if you will. And maybe that's giving him too much credit, but he he did the Clone Wars. Yeah. He did that. He that that I I don't get it. I don't get why he's not in charge of it all. Clone Wars is one of my favorite Star Wars productions, period. It is my favorite Star Wars I production. Love it's a hundred percent my favorite. It's incredible. It's above any movie for me. Yeah. Like yeah. really. And it's, it's rich. Really? Yeah. And I just don't get why he is not in full control, Kevin yeah. Feige stuff, of this Star Wars stuff. I just yeah. don't get it. He just, he gets it. He gets Star Wars so yeah. much. I, you know, for me, and, and I talked about this with Clint, I, I feel like they are making this up as they go along. And primarily it's because why do we have the Mandalorian and Boba Fett? Why is it not... The Mandalorian season one was Boba Fett climbing out of the Sarlacc and just make it Boba and Grogu and tie it all together or keep Boba Fett out of it. And this is Mandalorian season three. And this is just what Mando's doing while Grogu's away. Like you're you're essentially taking two people that are the same character. They even have the same look and you're trying to do different things, but they're the same. They're both bounty hunters trying to be better people. And, and and it just feels like if if they had seen that early on, they would have either made this all Boba Fett or they would have made it all the Mandalorian. It feels like they just come up with a cameo and then they built a series around it and then realized as they got into it, well, this is just the Mandalorian. And they, they did have – like they are very similar now. Yeah. But they did have very pre- pretty big differences prior yeah. Yeah. Um, Mando is very much just a, a tribal guy. He he belongs, and he loves that he belongs. Yeah. And he's a familiar guy already. Yeah. He loves his tribe. He loves his people. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. He does he does his part in his people's. So give me tribe. a more bitter and criminalized Boba yeah, Fett. Yeah, like he who was. is a bounty hunter turning into a crime lord, and Mando is the counter to that. Mm-hmm. Mando is the the uh, you know you're hiring me to help you out, but I'm challenging you. And where you've come to as a Mandalorian, and that's because even I more interesting. Come to a different place, way more interesting. Because now they have the same armor, yep. but they have completely differing ideals. Yeah, and that just visually and metaphorically is just just incredible. Yeah. Well, and I don't know that Star Wars and and possibly the MCU, although I know they'll write their way past it. I don't know that they know how to take a character and center a series on them when that character is a villain. I think Boba Fett, immediately they have to heroify him to make that series work in their minds. Whereas mm. they do the same thing in the MCU, like the Loki series, but it felt much more organic. And it feels truer to that character because that character, we've seen glimpses of humanity yeah. in that character before. So it makes sense. Boba Fett is just a, 
you know, disappointed that Darth Vader says no disintegrations. <laughs> That's who that guy is. Yeah. You shove him down the pit of a sarlacc and suddenly he's going to grow a heart. As... I don't know. As... I don't know if this I series supports about that. that. Because, yeah. you know, like I said earlier, I like how it at least shows how he's changed yeah. a little bit. But it's like that's a fundamental thing. Yeah. yeah. The, that is a, like that is a, a deep foundation of who I am thing. That is not a thing that changes as much. Yeah. He had to already have been some sort of familial kind of guy, yeah. which I guess is sort of implied because of his daddy issues, his dad dying, yeah. you know. But it's not who, – who remembers that? I mean, who remembers and thinks of it yeah. is what I mean. Yeah. Um, and – I don't know. He doesn't even have to be full villain. I mean, it's based on Westerns, right? Yeah. Uh, Cowboys, yeah. they were never heroes, but they were never yeah. real villains. You've they got were just your, people. You have a fascination with the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, there's already that anti-hero genre to draw upon. Mm-hmm. It's It's been done really well. Um, and you can still have pathos and emotion in a villain. That's what makes them an anti-hero. But yeah. play on the anti-hero. Um, there's um actually sorry go ahead no I was just gonna say my my favorite part of the book of Boba Fett uh, after seeing the whole series is the bookend scenes with um uh the sheriff Kath what's his name the sheriff versus Cad Bane yeah you've got the sheriff Cad Bane? Uh, no no Cat something like that uh, anyway CV anyway CV. Uh, I I love the scene where the Mandalorian comes to him. Love that whole thing. And then I love the scene right after the Mandalorian leaves and you've got Cad Bane coming up against him. Love that. If that had been the tone of the entire series, that really dusty Western would have loved it. Would have loved it. I don't think Boba should have been CV, but I think he yeah. should have been yeah. somewhat similar to him. He's just wanted to lend a hand, but first and foremost, he has his specific mm-hmm. desires and... You know, just there's an an amazing game actually, yeah. Red Dead Redemption Two, yeah. that puts that kind of character right at the forefront. You yep. play as Arthur Morgan, and he's a part of his gang, yep. and he has loyalty to it because they rescued him when he was like 12 years old. But at the same time, he's not a great person. He kills yep. people, and he he actually dies because of his killing people eventually. But if that's Boba Fett and Cad Bane is an old mentor on one side and on the other side is the Mandalorian or the sheriff or whoever. And you've got this pull of, of ethics between, uh, you know, the good and the bad. And you're just in the middle trying to figure out how to move forward. That would have been more interesting. In the game, you know, you have your, um, your gang leader and he's being led down the wrong path by a new member. And on the other side, you have, you know, the guy with pretty much the same story as you, but younger, um, John Marston, he was also rescued and he has a family and you, you know, you want to help him out, but him and your gang leader, they just aren't, the goals don't align. Yeah. So, and that brings us to episode seven. What was, what was your take on the finale? What was your, how did you enjoy the finale? What, what'd you think? Um, it's hard to say. I don't. Were think you happy with it? Was it I satisfying? Was, I was mm, satisfied. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wasn't. I don't know. I didn't really have super strong feelings mm-hmm. about it. It didn't feel like much had been accomplished. Um, but there were some great moments in there. I love whenever he pulled the rancor out because that was what episode two or three. Yeah. And yeah. you completely forget about that. Everything else is happening. And then all of a sudden he comes riding on a rancor. I mean, it's when like. When he took off, I thought he was going to get a ship. 
I had completely forgotten the Me Rancor. Me too. You know, it's like a 13, 12 or 13 year old fan fiction where yeah. Boba Fett's riding a Rancor, you know, fighting a mafia. That's so cool to me. Um, it felt pretty interrupted by Grogu's stuff there. I'll tell you that much. Um, though it was cute to see them together. He jumped into his arm. Just cute, whatever. Yeah, it, that was worth it uh, just for the, I love the shot where he, after he calms the Rancor down, just through connecting through it with the force, then he just kind of naps beside it. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was, that was cute. I that didn't need cute. to see him pull a bolt out of the, the machine. I thought that was stupid. Uh, oh, out of the leg of the the attack droid. Oh, I thought yeah. he was going to completely just compact and crush that thing. I thought it was going to be a dark moment. And I was ready to go through the roof happy. And then he just pulled out a leg bolt, and I'm like, oh, that's it? Why? Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, just wanting to fly. Just that. You know, um, Mando could have rolled and accomplished the same thing, but he just laid there like, <laughs> And um, Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. People can't go through that. Yeah. Nothing goes through that but intense pressure. That's, I mean, it's whatever. It's a little thing. But yeah. as far as I remember, you could, you know, with the super battle droids, it's something you walk through. You can't, yeah. your lightsabers can't pierce it, but you walk yeah. in and then you kill it. Yeah. You know? Uh, but you know, yeah, it was pretty again, impressive shielding thing. that yeah. might work on, I don't know, a fleet of Star Destroyers. <laughs> What do I know? know. Yeah, or, you know, a giant death laser. Yeah, I'm yeah, just, you know, just saying. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it was a pretty portable it? shield. Might have been beneficial. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, it was just... That's... It, so, so here's my impression. I had two problems. Number one, when I was a little kid, I had a bunch of Star Wars toys, original Star Wars toys, and I had them all set up on my dresser in my bedroom. This is like second, third grade. And I remember I would just pull down all these figures, take every single one down, and I would lay them out on the floor. And my favorite thing was not reenacting the Star Wars movies, which, you know, uh, the 80s. We, we literally only had three things that were Star Wars, unless you bought the comic book. Didn't even have the books yet. But it was stuff like, uh, let me grab this action figure and put him on top of my Rancor. And he rides around and attacks this TIE fighter that just happened to be flying low. And it's piloted by, I don't know, this guy. And, and it was just kind of a mix and match. You know, in my six-year-old brain, I'm just having a blast piecing these things together and then just unleashing them on each mm. other. That's what this whole episode felt like. <laughs> it felt like somebody had taken my childhood imagination and thrown it on the screen. And that's a good thing, right? It was a good okay. thing. Okay, I can tell. It, it kind of seemed like, fun. you know. It was fun. Yeah. But then, this is why I don't like that. Okay. It's evidenced perfectly by the, we're, we're really in trouble. We're really in trouble. We Man, if only all those people from that town would show up. They say this over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then this little hover van that I kid you not does not have more than a dozen town folk shows up. And this is what they were waiting for. And yeah. that's where it just felt like, oh, I, you know, as a kid, I would think, oh, just load up a vehicle and bring in these, you know, more action figures. And now it's it's a battle. Like, What are those 10 townspeople going to do <laughs> against these giant droids? They meant nothing. And they literally don't do anything, by the way. Like, yeah. They just yeah. don't. They no, shoot they at take it. cover and keep shooting. Yeah, that bothered me so much. How like, many times no one... are you going to shoot at the shield <laughs> yeah. before you're like, man, you know what? Maybe, maybe you know, that bartender proves himself. Everyone shoot at the same spot and a bullet gets through. 
something, or you know, we we can't possibly beat it, but we've got to keep their attention on us or they'll attack and destroy the town. And some of them die from it. And some of them die, which also wouldn't make sense, because why would this thing attack the town if it's sent from the crime syndicate that wants the yeah. town? So it wasn't really even a threat there. The no. rancor was more of a threat than <laughs> than those droids yeah. to the, the safety of the town. But, but it was that it, it made it so small. And again, if they had really, we don't need a big group. We need, uh, you know, Kristan or whatever, the, the Wookiee. We oh, yeah. need Boba. Chris. We need Mando. We need... Chrysanthemum? Uh, yeah. Did he call him like Santo or something? I don't know. It was weird to me because um, his name was Chrysanthemum, but then Boba yeah. sometimes was like, oh, Santo. We need oh, Fennec. We yeah. need this old exile force user. We need, like, give me just seven really good rough and tumble characters they've put together. You know what? You, you are know? kind of describing the Old Republic games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's kind of literally what that is. That's um, the thing. Star Wars has done it before, even in episodes of The Clone Wars in season four or five, where it's the bounty hunters that come together. It's like Cad Bane yeah, and the, or the guy with the uh, the circular hat. Um, there was there was a whole oh, group of yeah. bounty hunters. And that, like that, those were yeah. such cool episodes because it was like this this group of skilled fighters trying to defend the town. That, honestly, it would have been such a great opportunity to bring yeah. back like any force sure. user that could be alive anymore. Sure. Asajj Ventress? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I like Asajj Ventress. Who sure. doesn't? Why not? I guess. Give me, give me anybody. But again, go small if you're going to go small. Mm. Don't give me, you know, regular face townies. Um, so it, it, it was fun and it tapped into that childhood imagination and the action figures clashing. But man, my childhood imagination was full of plot holes. <laughs> and stupid decisions and things that made no sense. So you're saying you, have, you shouldn't have made this yeah. series. You have okay. you have the Slave One sitting back, this this armored shuttle that has sonic bombs and dual cannons and all this stuff, but you walk past the giant ship to mount on your Rancor and ride back into town. It didn't little things like that. You know Take what? out the Slave One. Mando, come with me. Yep. Take out the Slave One in an earlier episode, so the only option he has is the Rancor. Awesome yeah. and logical moment. You know, it just it was missing that logic, and it just felt like it was it was very fan servicey for mm-hmm. me. Great fun, but I, I guarantee, but like I know exactly what Clint is going to say. It's much oh. harsher than what I'm saying because oh. I at least had fun. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Clint might not have seen fifty percent of this episode because his eyes were permanently rolled into his skull. <laughs> I, I feel really bad for Clint on this So you one. just think it was just, oh, this is so stupid. Yep. This is stupid. It's yep. all stupid, yep. and that's fair. I love uh, Hobbs and Shaw, and I, I told Clint, you're going to hate it, but you need to watch this. doesn't matter if you like The Fast and Furious. This is just a dumb action movie, but it's done well. Clint hated that movie, and I knew he would. I think that's how he's going to react so to this. This stuff really has to be more intelligent for him than you. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can I can take stupid if it gives me a good feeling. Yeah, I, I honestly I enjoyed this finale. The more I've thought about it, the more I really don't like it. Oh well, yeah, but just but from the serotonin a, was going. You yep. know, so I stayed up till three. As soon as it popped up on Disney Plus, late <laughs> Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, and I watched it, and I went to sleep with a smile on my face. <laughs> Only later did I start to realize, like, mm, yeah, no. Yeah, I didn't really think about the Slave One thing. It's just as easy as, like, and you know what? 
It might have been a hated thing, but you know what the Mandalorian's missing? A decent ship. Yeah. Yeah. And Boba Fett's the only one that can ride the Rancor, yeah. so... But now flip the two. He takes the ship to the battle at the end. He takes the Rancor to the Sarlacc pit. And the Rancor and the Sarlacc have it out when he realizes it's alive when he's searching for to see if his armor's there. Rancor versus Sarlacc, 100% on board for that. I kind of think... Ship at the end. Or have, you know, the Rancor helping you, but, you know. Again, you've got an incredibly uh, powerful and shielded ship. Mm -hmm. Go shoot people from the air. Or, you know, I feel like... That little that little bomb of his. Yeah, I feel like that might take out Seriously. two shields. No, city block. Oh yeah, it would have totally taken out the shield. It's not even something that. No, it it definitely has impact. That would have done some real damage. Yeah, that might actually like destroy the. But again, town. but hey, <laughs> give me one line of dialogue. Oh. Uh, you know why didn't you bring your ship? Uh, you know I'm trying to save the city here, not destroy a city block. Yeah, that ship's too powerful. Give me something. That just shows that the characters, I shouldn't have to go through and guesswork a reason that that's a stupid decision. Yeah. Tell me yeah, why and, it's a smart decision. Yeah. And, you know, th- you know that's beneficial to them, too, if, if they make it so that you don't have to go through all yep. those hoops because then you don't think about it so critically and people yep. don't say as much stuff that criticizes and yep. that's better for you. Like, that's better for your yep. piece of fiction. You want the Rancor to rampage so Grogu can calm it down? Awesome moment. Have it. You just established how intensely connected it gets to a human. Have it think Boba's dead. When it takes out the last droid, a shot knocks Boba off, and he's just laying there. And it does this little thing where it tries to move him like it's his dad, and he's not waking up, and then it just flips out in grief. And then he comes to and realizes the Rancor's on a rampage. And nobody knows it. We know it as the audience. It's grieving what it thinks is the death of the one it imprinted on. That would have been incredible. And it would have made total sense. One line of dialogue and then you do it. And you could have that mm-hmm. and the ship. Yep. The reason he pulls out the Rancor is to get them out of the town yep. so they can use the ship yep. to blow them up. Yep. And they succeed, but one last shot yep. fires off at Boba. He falls, collapses, rampage. Boom. You ride the Rancor and you toss the keys <sighs> to Mando for your ship. Yep. Although why Mando doesn't just go get the, I guess maybe it flies by too quick. But go get the Naboo Starfighter and, you know, the firebomb a street or two. Fennec, I don't know. Fennec can probably fly it. Sure, sure. Because I mean, she just, saw him fly you, it. You have all these tools at your disposal. And if you're those characters, you think of that. You think of mm-hmm. what you have. And then give me a conversation while they're under fire. Stop having them shoot back. Have them have a conversation undercover as to, uh, you know, like, go get your ship. No, here's why. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have anything else. I got an idea. Then and you stupidness bring the aside, you want them to use everything at yeah. their disposal. Yeah. It's just exciting to see them fail and then come back up. Yeah. I'm, I mean, there's just, you know, you pull something out of the back end, and, you know, your rear end real quick right at the end, and that's fine. Because we, we talked about it briefly before. It's an old cinematic principle, but you have Chekhov's gun. Alfred Hitchcock made this famous. You could not reveal that there's a gun on a character, but then there's no tension. There's just the surprise of that person shooting somebody. But you reveal that there's a gun, 
and you know that a character has a gun, suddenly there's this tension. Are they going to use it? When's that gun coming back? I saw a shot of that gun. You put elements in place so that you can build off of them. You have a ship. You have a rancor. These are things that you want to put into place so the audience is actively thinking of them. I don't want to forget that the rancor is there and then be surprised when it shows mm. up. I want to be so expecting like that rancor is coming back. And it's at the tip of my my thoughts every second. I, I didn't mind forgetting about it and then being surprised. I didn't either. It's I fun. I prefer. Yes. It's fun. But but to even a line of dialogue, well, you know, the rancor is unpredictable. That would be mm -hmm. that would be bad to bring into the town. But if you really but then need they have to, no other option. Yeah. They bring him in. Then he thinks Boba's dead. And sure enough, what does he do? Mm -hmm. Rampages. And there's just this progression of logical thought and decisions and then based on things the audience understands. From then on, the rancor naturally becomes like you know, a good storytelling device. Yeah. From then on, you can use the Rancor yeah. anytime you want something like that to, ha yeah. something like that to happen. And it's great that he has this, but they really made a lot of, of hay about the fact that this thing is unpredictable. Yeah. And so there's a tension. It's not just, woo, this is cool, the Rancor attacks. There's this tension the whole time like, is this going to go south? When is this going to go south? And then suddenly you have this quiet moment, again, of the Rancor lifting up his arm and it dropping, and you're reading into the emotions. And then you see this thing's face fill with rage, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Angels. This is where – this is where it goes wrong. But this is this is what I feel like is not happening in the Star Wars writer's room. I feel like they're assembling cool moments, but they're not thinking through the logic of how one thing goes to another or how one series lends itself to they're another. They're actually planning it like six-year-old yeah. you or whatever. Yep. Like yep. just thinking about all the cool things you can put in there. Just yep. That's <sighs> where you need a Kevin you Feige. You, you have the Boba Fett series. You have the Mandalorian. You have the sequel movies. You have the Ahsoka series coming. Who's knitting all those things together and making sure that... Should be Dave Filoni. Thing, <clears throat> yep. Sorry. Yep. Because that's exactly <laughs> what he did with Clone Wars yeah. and Rebels. And he already has experience with that. Weird as you feel about Rebels, I feel weird about Rebels. Just some of the stuff that they did in it. Yeah. Like, it's just... I don't even know. By the way, what was it? Was it like... Disney Corporation trying yes. to interfere and make it more childlike. If you look, Rebels retains its kid-like elements. Clone Wars, even by the end of season one, f going from the Clone Wars movie to the end of season one, you're like, wow, that show really grew up. Mm -hmm. Then season two, you're like, it's almost like the Harry Potter movies. Like, man, this this series, by the time it's season four, you got an entire four-episode stretch where your main characters are Count Dooku, Asajj Ventress, and Force Witches. There's not a hero in sight. It's four <laughs> episodes of Sith versus even worse dark side users. That was a with force zombies. That's a yeah. crazy dark four episodes, yeah. and that's season four. You're like, this show has really grown up. Yeah. Um, that last arc with Ahsoka. Yep. Oh my goodness. And that's what Rebels never did. <sighs> uh, Rebels, yeah. I had a hard time. Some people love it, but I had a really hard time getting into it because it always felt like they a tried kid's to, show. didn't they? Yeah, they tried. they tried to age Ezra and they tried to make mm -hmm. him blind, and that was kind of dark. If they yeah. kept going in that, there were direction, moments I mean, when they were bringing Ahsoka in or having Ahsoka encounter Vader, or there were some really great moments in Rebels. That could have been uh, Obi Wan and Darth you know? Maul. Uh, these things, but they were always moments. You you didn't feel like the series was growing up. You just feel like it it had these really dark moments. Yeah. You know, I actually watched that um, 
uh, Obi Wan Darth Maul episode mm-hmm. and just skip through all the Ezra and yeah. uh, what was it? I forget what the droid's name yeah. is. Just skip through all those moments, just see all the Darth Maul because yeah. it's good. You, minus can, the... you can really feel the comic relief mm-hmm. of the main Rebels cast, but that it, shouldn't be light. that episode. Nope. That shouldn't. There's no. There's no reason. It's like when the DC yeah. tries to make Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe movies, you know? Yeah. And and if that's your Mandalorian series, fine. But Boba Fett has to be then a different series. Give me a reason that I'm watching a series connected to The Mandalorian that's not just disguised Mandalorian season three. Yeah. It really needs to feel different, especially if you're then going to bring back your main character from The Mandalorian it is series. It's sort of too early to tie that much in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels almost like what DC has done with their movies. Yeah. Where they're trying to get to that Marvel interconnected universe level, but, but they're not they taking haven't the time put in, to get there. Yep, they haven't put in the groundwork. The only reason the MCU works is because they went. I mean, it took them ten years to get from Iron Man one to Endgame, and it needed ten years to to be able to get there. Superman five or sorry, not Superman, Justice League five years. Yep. That means Superman ten years, like yep. whatever. Three movies. Uh we go uh uh Man of Steel, Superman versus Batman, Justice League. Mm-hmm. Nope. No. You just no. I just I I feel like Star Wars is making that same mistake. And it just I don't know. And that's the know. thing, it's not the thing that Clone Wars did right. Yeah. They took the time to get dark at yeah. five seasons, and then you had that sixth season, and then the seventh one even, you know. Visions, uh, which we talked about. That was our, our first oh. episode together. Visions. It was, yeah. You say what you will about individual segments or episodes. They don't all work as well as the next one, or some of them appeal to some people more than others. But that was a collection of ideas presented as a collection of ideas. Mm -hmm. And you could have really dark and you could have really light and you could have really fun. Imagine if the Star Wars universe as an entertainment uh, product was doing the same thing. The Mandalorian is one mode or emotion. Boba Fett is a much darker and more serious uh, tone. Uh, This other thing is more for kids. This other thing is, is more for the old school uh, Star Wars fan. This one's for the prequel fans. Yeah. And you know, if you find something... Or organically. Sorry, yes. Yeah. If you find... And then if you find some way to then bring it all together for some, some way, yep. that'll just... All the more, that'll just make you more impressive. Yep. I mean, with the MCU, basically all their Star Wars movies were about the same tone. Yeah. Like, they weren't that different. So, of course, bringing them together is yeah. easy. But their biggest challenge next is bringing people like Deadpool into yeah. the Avengers sales. Like, you know, that that's a huge challenge. And if you accomplish yeah. that, I, it, 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 there's no way yeah. to argue. Like, they did something great. Don't just put Ahsoka in that episode. Give me a reason that Ahsoka is there with Luke. Give me that conflict. Give me her pushing him once Mando leaves, pushing him on what he's deciding to do. Have him tell her, I'm going to give the kid a choice. And then have her, what are you talking about? Why would you be so dogmatic? Why does it have to still be the Jedi Order? And then have Luke say, we lost it and it needs to be brought back and have that argument. Mm-hmm. And, and then your decisions make sense. Ahsoka, and I didn't realize it until you said it, she has no reason to be there. Other than she sort of is the uh, hostess at the restaurant owned <laughs> by Luke so that Mando has somebody to talk to on his way back to his table. 
Yeah, that's a good way you to know. explain it. And it, it just, why was she there? We don't even explain. Why does she leave as soon as, uh, you know, we're done with that scene? Not explained. You know what? And then the worst part about these series, and I'm not, like, again, they're not bad. I like them. I really yeah. enjoy watching them. Yeah. Yeah. I just can also recognize that they're not yeah. very well made. Yeah. Um, the the worst part is that they just do that one thing right that gets the masses liking yep. it, and there's no one to criticize them. I mean, there yeah. is, obviously, but the amount of people that just like the fun, dumb, not very well thought out stuff that they do yeah. are just, they, they take it over. They encourage yeah. them to continue to make Star Wars not quite thought through. And that's what the Mandalorian season one, I was, I was really baffled um, because so many people just loved it. And I could understand liking it, but I didn't think critically it was that impressive mm. until you think of the fact that people were really upset with the sequel trilogy. They didn't like the sequel trilogy. And suddenly here comes the Mandalorian that feels and references much more of the original trilogy. And so it's almost like they hyper like it and support it because, oh, finally, here's the thing we wanted from yeah. the movies. And so that that seems to have continued. Even episode five of this, when the Mandalorian shows up for a whole episode, people were all like, yes, finally, the the series is good for a week. Like, no. Like, yeah, okay, maybe it's good for a week, but that's actually a bad thing if in the Boba Fett series <laughs> you need an episode completely away from Boba Fett for people to enjoy it. Yeah. That's not a good thing. That says that your Boba Fett series is failing in what it's setting out to do. Um, so, theory time. What if they just – the book of Boba Fett series, and I'm not saying it's a good choice, but what if it's just them dipping their toes in the water – a little bit. Yeah. Getting into the dark stuff just a little bit, see how people react. Sure. You know, uh, make the Mandalorian all fun and lighthearted, make people like it a lot, so it, you know, turns them back on to mm-hmm. Star Wars. And then progressively with each series, they get a little bit, a little bit more what yeah. they want to actually do. Yeah. That would be amazing. I just, I think if I'm, I'm very much about if you have a story of Boba Fett that is four episodes, why do a six episode season? When two yeah. of those episodes, it, like, give me a four-episode Boba Fett. Give me a one-episode bonus mid-season uh, snack of The Mandalorian. Give me a bonus snack check-in of Luke. Um, you know, but just give me my story of Boba Fett. If you're going to call it Boba Fett, if you're going to focus on him, as they clearly do the first four episodes, why would you suddenly go in a different direction? And. So I'm planning on having my grandmother watch these mm-hmm. along with the other Star Wars materials that I can. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to do, Mando 1 and 2, <laughs> episodes 5 and 6, mm. a book of Boba Fett, and then book of Boba Fett. Smart. That would be that would be a really good way to watch it. Because it just yeah. it, it breaks the pacing. Yeah. And I'm going to be jealous of her because I'm going to wish that I did, probably. Yeah. It'll, she it'll work better. I think the only thing is an episode... Uh, six, there's that, you know, check in with Boba where it goes to his planning scene, but it's like three minutes. It doesn't give anything away. It's just mm-hmm. them talking about what are we going to do? Well, all these groups have the, the land around us. You know us. what? I wonder about something. Mm-hmm. So me, along with many people, were disappointed to find out at the end of Mando season two that the next year would have not Mando. It would only be Book of Boba Fett. 
So I'm wondering if that's about when they were halfway through making the yeah. series and they were thinking, oh, no, uh, they aren't really responding good. We, we have to quickly put Mando in there quick. Even the number of people on screen, is that just a COVID thing? Production-wise, they oh. would have gone bigger, but they couldn't because that's too many people on the production at the time. Who knows? But it doesn't I matter. They can do something to fix it anyways. Change it at the script level. Change oh. your story. Make sure your story lines up with your budget or yeah. your ability to, to show things. Make sure that if you're going to take time to go off with Luke Skywalker, that it works. Because I, I love that Luke stuff. But objectively, it's a very distracting episode because it has nothing to do with the series that it's in. No, like, Other than I mean, getting Grogu back for the finale. I mean, literally releasing, <sighs> like, you know what? They would satisfy both the anxiety that I theorize they have and the problems with the book of Boba Fett if they made just a three-episode 2.5 Mandalorian. Yep. Like, in May or June, yep. they release it halfway through the year halfway into the yep. book of Boba Fett and then they just have the five episodes of book of Boba Fett like yep. that that would be perfect but now imagine if instead of episode six, six being the Luke that it was imagine if Boba even reformed goes and tracks down Han and gets Han's help uh. and tracks down Luke and gets Luke's help and has to convince them he's not who they sent into the pit that's a redemption arc. Now mm. I'm excited about these old characters coming back. And if you're Boba and you're in a situation where you don't have the manpower, go get the best smuggler that put you in a pit and go get the Jedi that put you in a pit. Yeah. And you're reformed. You've got your morals or whatever. <laughs> you know, go yeah. and, and uh, you know, humble up and imagine the great scene of Han Young Han, which they clearly can do CG. Yeah. Imagine Young Han seeing Boba walk in the door. And just the immediate response of violence that character would have to even seeing Boba Fett. So do you uh, think it'd be an instant blaster shot? A oh, punch? instant. I think he would slowly... I, the okay. Han Solo of the original trilogy would immediately draw on fire. Immediately. And, you know, how do you even go about convincing him? That's a whole episode I would kill for that episode convincing Han and Chewie, uh, you know, a few years after Return of the Jedi, that you're worth helping. And then hey, I'm too. trying to save this town. Much easier for Luke because, like, hey, your old stomping grounds, you know, yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to save your old pals. And, um, Will you come help me? And that me? would make it feel a little more like Luke because it's something he actually cares about. Yep. And if you have Chewbacca, just a little thing, you can have a little fun with him and Chrysanthemum. You nope. know, just just a little fun with that. Don't even go much. Yeah, don't like, even go hunt down. You've you've got Chrysanthemum. He has a connection to Chewbacca. Lure Chewbacca and Han to you. Oh my goodness! Under the 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 pretense of something else, and then they walk in a room and realize Boba's sitting there, and almost like when he walks into Cloud City and fires at Vader. Same exact scene, but with Boba Fett. And it's Beskar armor, so you know, same exact reaction. And then Boba trying to talk him down and that's, from firing with his hands up. Oh my god! And that's perfect fan service right oh, there. Oh my god! Because it's yes. well done. It's done well with the story. It's organic and, makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, you have the same shots and everything, like you do in Bespin. You know, yeah. Yeah. this is my problem because, as a fan, one of the things I loved about No Way Home 
Spider-Man. And one of the things I know I'm probably going to love about Doctor Strange is I don't go into those movies or come out of those movies feeling like I could have written a better movie. I I walked out of No Way Home like that was so much better than what was in my imagination. Yeah. I have not felt that about Star Wars in a long time. Nope. Visions, some of those episodes, yeah. literally did that to me. Those were my favorites. I have not done it with The Mandalorian. I didn't do it with The Book of Boba Fett. At every turn, with five minutes of talking to you, I just came up with the, the Han episode. Mm-hmm. I should not be able to do that as a fan. It's disappointing. It's, it's just very disappointing. So it's just, small. Meh, like, yeah. Really? But I never do that. Occasionally, I, I've done that with the MCU, but it's always the ones I haven't enjoyed as much. I did that with the end of Shang-Chi. Uh, but I, I didn't right. really enjoy Shang-Chi as much as the typical Marvel movie. No Way Home, uh, like I'm a month out of that and I have yet to say, you know what would have made that better? Because they just knocked it out of the park. Almost they did a months. better movie than I could have put together. And as a fan, I deserve a movie that I'm not smart yeah. enough to write a better version of. Yeah. So I mean, maybe we should just start making them ourselves. <sighs> Honestly, you know, that makes me... It gives me ideas. What if we just make an anime version of everything they should have done right in these Star Wars shows? But see, Marvel really listens to the fan community. When the fan community has a problem with something, you can tell Kevin Feige logs it and says in a future movie, mm. I guarantee He's you. He's a computer. They have had, yeah, they <laughs> have had entire meetings about how to retroactively make people love Eternals. Uh, it's already being planned. And they're just like, okay, it didn't work. I don't feel that in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Just listen to your fans. Get consultants to look at your early scripts who are – find three people online who just constantly come up with these amazing ideas when they're – yeah, Clint, yeah, you know, exactly. You, it's never going to be us. But <laughs> people like us, just have them read your scripts and sit there and be like, why is Boba Fett doing this? Why is The Mandalorian getting a whole episode? That should be – critically happening at those early stages that should have happened in the prequel movies with george lucas somebody should have been like george these are going to be boring (laughs) when you're talking about politics this is going to be weird when you go to a 50s diner on coruscant run by dexter jexter i like dexter jexter but not because not not because he's dexter i just like the fact that i hate his cafe i hate his (laughs) stupid little Anyway, I like him because uh, he's like, stupid. Like, like the, I like him because he's the best creators are creators that work anyways. against limitations and have somebody in the room saying, can we do better? Like, can't we make this better? You know, I'm just saying, I know I praise him like a God, but if Dave Filoni was there. He might read it like a fan because he is a fan. Maybe. And, know. Um, you know, if they made the book of Boba Fett more sensible if they made it make more sense and lined up more they wouldn't have to rely on things they saw before for cool moments they would make their own and that would give it its own identity and its own fan base and its own love yep and they would earn that all right well anthony we have just fixed star wars there you go there we go uh, all of star wars dave floney and john favreau uh you come knock on our doors anytime and um Patch it right up. And it's I, a good thing you, I don't know your dress. Again, we, <laughs> Clint and I make sure to say this a lot, and I, I do mean it. If you love this thing, good on you. I'm actually jealous if you love this series and it's just everything you want it to be. I'm jealous of people like that. Mm-hmm. And more power to them. 
Enjoy what you enjoy. This don't podcast let, is just for the cranky, cranky yeah, people. Don't, don't, don't let somebody's criticism ruin your experience. <laughs> it's just I take this stuff so seriously. Mm-hmm. I want – I desperately want it to be at its best. And I I, 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 sh- I shut my brain off for things I have low yeah. expectations for. Yeah. So, you know, I criticize and think about, oh, man, you know, but whatever. And, and but I still think, oh, I enjoyed it. The first two episodes of Boba Fett really, I think, got my expectations high. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and I came down from that. Um, and I just, I, I don't know how to experience it any other way. But anyway, <laughs> Anthony, thank you very much. This has been wonderful as always. Next time, uh, once your life has resumed normality, yeah. uh, our next episode, we're going to hit Fargo, Looper, and what was the third? Jojo Rabbit. But Looper was the last. What was the one. third movie? So it was Jojo Fargo, Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, and then yes. Looper. Uh, but we'll be hitting those next episode. Uh, hope you enjoy listening, and uh, thanks as always, Anthony. It's a good time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>